Hello and welcome to The Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. I am still Shim. I'm still a sexaholic. This is part two of the old timers meeting in which we're going to do an ask it basket or a question and answer session. Um, If you could just take a moment to silence electronic devices and then if you can please join me for a moment of silence in which we will follow with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. Thy will not mine be done. And this is a streaming meeting, which means that this meeting is being broadcast live, and and it's also a recorded meeting. Um, So when you have a turn to ask questions from the floor, we've got a lot of people. We're not going to actually have you come up. Whoever the old-timer is that's sharing at the time will just repeat your question over the mic so that it can be recorded. Um... The format will be I'll pick one of the questions off of the sheets of paper and then I'll elect one of the old timers to come up, answer that question. When they finish answering the question, we'll give an opportunity for one person to ask a follow-up question and then we'll go on to the next question from the written questions. Um, So I figured we'd follow in the order of the steps and start with step zero and step one. And the question was, Lusting is so ingrained in me, it's like breathing. How have you let go or overcome the draw or attraction of lust when tempted? D, you want to take that question? Hi, I'm D, and I'm a sexaholic. My sobriety date is um, 4-28-87. I... um, I had to retrain my thinking. I had to re-educate the way I thought. And I had to um, be very conscious of what I was thinking. And I had to, um, like it says in the big book, you know, have um, huge mental um, readjustments and rearrangements in my thinking. Because... um, Dr. Silkworth, you know, said it's not only physical, but it's mental. It's a mental disease. And, um, you know, it says you have to, It's, you know, there's an outline in the big book how to do that. And um, there are simple steps, but they're not easy. And I think the way I changed my thinking was... I looked at, you know, what is my selfishness, dishonesty, my resentment, and my fear. And I would ask myself the questions, you know, what's the lie I tell myself? And, you know, what what are the lies I am telling myself? You know, and what is the truth in this situation? And it 
took a long time for my sponsor when I was writing out my fourth step. I would read it to her. Before I did my fifth step, I would read how I was writing out my first, my fourth step. And she would say, no, 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 you have to keep the focus on you. Because I would say, well, so-and-so is a B, you know, a capital B. And um, <laughs> she would say, you have to keep the focus on you. So it took a long time to untangle my thinking. You know, they were, it was tangled. There was a lot of deception that I was telling myself, a lot of dishonesty that I was telling myself. And I had to get to the bottom of that, and I had to see, you know, what the self-seeking is. You know, um, you know, it's so ingrained, you know, that it says we're, we're selfish, we're self-centered. Um, and I have, I have to learn how to be selfless. I have to learn how to smile, how to do something. I don't want to do anything for anybody. Somebody will ask me, you know, can you do this? My first reaction is no. And, um, but I know, I always feel better, like if someone asks me to lead a meeting. Um, and I think the more service you do, the more connections you have with someone in program, you need to have that connection with a sponsor. You need to constantly, for myself, I speak for myself, I called my sponsor in the beginning, you know, back in 1987, when I got to work. I got to work, I arrived, you know, because I had constant fear, I had constant doubt, I, um, fear, doubt, and insecurity, they say, you know, um, and um, I had to get underneath that fear, doubt, and insecurity, and I had to, like somebody was saying, build up, you know, be the person God wants me to be, be the person I'm supposed to be, be the person... Um, that I would like someone to treat me like. And um, and that start, started out with just, um, I had to look at, you know, what's, what's driving me? What's the driving force of my lust? What's the driving force of why am I, why do I want to, um, what's triggering me? Why do I want to act out? Where is this coming from? And if I sat long enough and did not act out with myself, the answer was there. I was afraid of so-and-so. Um, I was angry at this person. You know, the answer was there. And it was always an emotional, for me, emotional kind of connection. And um, because that's when my thinking, I got relief when I thought of lust. It calmed me down. And um, so that's, you know, when I got nervous, that's what I would to calm me down, I would, you know, think of an obsession or think of a lust thought. So I have to retrain my thinking. And a lot of times I just have a whole mantra of prayers or just one words, two words. And um, I have a connection with, you know, I talk to a sponsor uh, every day and... Um, and I can say what's going on. It's when you keep those deep, dark secrets and you try to solve them yourself or you try to ignore them. Or, um, you don't even know they're there until you write them down on paper. Because you can only think of one resentment at one time or one... You, know, you can only think of one thing at a time. 
But when I started writing things down on paper, making a list of things, resentments and fears and um, it was amazing how much was down you know how much resentment I had, which was really anger and um and I think for us that's how we get the relief is through sex you know we 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 get relief and we just need to um outsource that we need to get relief in other ways because it's a lie <laughs> we don't really get relief it's you know the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and um that's it thank you The question was, um, if I don't have the desire to get better, to um, not to lust, is that your question? Not having the desire to get better? Stop lusting? Not having the desire to stop lusting? So if you don't have the desire to stop lusting, you find someone who you think has the message. You find someone who you relate to, who you like, who, you know, speaks to you and you like their recovery and you like their wisdom. You like all their, you like a lot of their qualities and you want, you want those qualities. You, and you, you get connected with that person and you just tell them, I don't have the willingness because, um, you're never gonna have the um you're never you know gonna have the willingness. You just gotta do it. You know, you just uh I mean if we wait until we're ready, we're never gonna be ready. You know, you're never gonna be ready. <laughs> so you just gotta do it. You know, just go to the meetings, be honest, say you don't have the willingness, and the pain will be so bad that you'll be begging for the willingness. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so the next question that someone wrote in is, how do you know if you're doing God's will? Tom, you want to answer that one? My name is Tom. I'm a, still, again, a sexaholic. Date, date of my sobriety is April of 87. How do I know... God's will for me. Well, that's a philosophical questions in our in our essay program, is it not? Uh, I gave a little thought to that, and you know uh, what comes to mind to me is I have to be in conscious contact with God in order to know God's will for me. And what does that mean? How can I get in conscious contact? We talk about that in the program all the time. 
Well, the number one thing that is that has been so powerful in my program has been meditation. It, you know, it's been mentioned here already about meditation. And um, uh, when I got into this program, which was 30 years ago, I was in a program where I had to make a uh, commitment to meditate 20 minutes a day, twice a day in order to stay in that particular program. I've kept that commitment now for 30 years. And I do more than 20 minutes a day. I live at a place uh, called Assisi Institute in Rochester, New York, and it's like a meditation center where we do much more meditation than that. Uh, and it's an Eastern and Western spirituality. Uh, and the East focuses quite a bit on meditation. So I am very, you know, to me, meditation has been the most uh, uplifting spiritual thing I can do in essay. And does that help me with, with uh, conscious contact with God? It sure does. Because what it does for me is it brings me in peace of heart. If I don't have peace in my day, I can't be in connection with God I can't be in connection with relationships with other people. How am I supposed to, you know, see in effect, I mentioned this earlier, God and other people when I can't see it and feel it in my own skin? You know, so that has meant everything to me is to have peace in my life. And therefore, you know, I'm more likely, I'm, I'm sure, to uh, hear, hear, feel God's will. And God's will, too, comes from other people in this program, from my sponsor, from you, from, you know, and how am I going to be open to that, you know, without having the peace and the openness that the program talks about here to hear other people's messages for me. Uh, the other thing I just want to mention is relationships again. I talked about it uh, a moment ago. But I have, to make, I have to make sure that my relationships with other people are good, are, are peaceful, and there's not anger and resentment in my life. I do it in the evening. I do the 10th step. I look, at, I look at what's happened during the day, and I make sure that when I go to bed that evening that, there is, that I don't, I'm not carrying anger or anything with me. If I do, I may have to make... I have to make amends that particular night or at the latest the next day to make sure that I don't carry resentments in my heart. So again, again, it's to me, it's all focusing on my spiritual connection with God. If I don't have that, I really have nothing. That's, that, that's about what I have right now. Are there any questions that uh, anybody has? Uh, 
don't know if I got it all, but is there anything I can do to help other individuals? I have I have a little sobriety in my life. How much sobriety do you have? 14 months. Uh, how can I help other people with that? Well, what comes to mind is your own example. You're sharing, you're talking, uh, your sobriety, I think, is what is the big deal. All we can pretty much give to people is our own sobriety, our own, you know, of our own, I was talking about peace and everything like that. That's the example we have to give to people. We can talk sometimes all day long. Don't we hear this with our kids? <laughs> I can relate to my kids. I could talk to them all day long. And what they really notice is my example. You know, I can say this and I can say that, but they're watching dad and mom all day long. And that's who that's what we really give. And I think that's a lot what we give to our, you know, to our people here in the program is our, you know, is our example. Yeah. Thank you. Another question? Hmm? Uh, no, that's not a question. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, we, you, he wrote down his question. We're going to do it soon. Yeah. I have something else. My name is Pat, and my sobriety date is December 26th, 1996, December 21st, 1996, and I would like to have a response to that. I think I go to deaf, I have a deaf members in AA who come to me with their struggles, and they have a very difficult time reading English, and one thing I've noticed in myself since I've been sober a long time and they are struggling, we sit down and read the literature together, especially step one. It's powerful to go through it uh, sentence by sentence and really look at what it means to be powerless. We share and then we go to step two and then step three, etc. So we make that journey together. So it's not really... Um, the person with more sobriety helping the other person with less sobriety, it's taking a journey together and it's a beautiful experience. Thank you, Pat. Here's a question. Can you share any ninth step examples or stories? Mitch? Hi, Mitch, sexaholic. Uh, sobriety date, December 20th, 1985. Um, yeah, ninth step. It's, it's a scary, scary step. Uh, it was the first step I saw on the wall when I came. It just kind of loomed out at me, you know. It's like, oh, my gosh. I, you know, and, and subconsciously, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to touch that at all. Uh uh, but years and years and years down the road into recovery, you know, after bottoming out and, and, and having tears and, and, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 uh, felt compelled to work all the steps in a, in a rigorous fashion. And, uh, I was so compelled that I, 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 just, uh, I asked my sponsor who was a great sponsor at the time, if I could get other sponsorship, because even though he was a great sponsor, I needed more accessibility, and uh, and he said, "Yeah, go for it." And uh, so so I got four other sponsors. So I had five sponsors, and 
they all uh all of them were great uh they 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 all gave me great stuff i was at a point too that i could well with god's help honestly uh reconcile all of it and not necessarily play one off the other and you know bullshit myself uh you know i i I just did everything they all told me to do and it was all complimentary all very complimentary until steps eight and nine boy was there a divergence of opinion there (laughs) on how to make an amends what kind of an amends to make you know if, if it should be a a direct amends uh you know, or or some kind of living amends or indirect amends. Uh, anyway, but I, you know, I, I I would I would I would speak to every one of them, get their feedback. In the end, you know, we're really all the executives of our life. So when it comes to step nine, you know, a sponsor can tell you to do a step nine in a certain way, but you in the end make the decision as to how to make step nine because you you know the situation more intimately than anybody else. Um. Uh, and if you you know if you have enough recovery and integrity uh at that time uh you know it it works out anyway so i had uh i was i was fretting over i i had done a lot of uh exhibitionism you know and most of those people i exposed myself to they they were anonymous i i, I didn't know where they were I, I couldn't find them and i didn't know how to make men's but but uh I didn't know how to make, uh, it wasn't appropriate to make a direct amend, so I did a lot of living amends with them. Uh, but there were some from my childhood, childhood who I did know and uh, who had exposed myself, and, you know, my sponsor encouraged me to make direct amends to them. And, uh, you know, and I, uh, you know, I went back and forth with that. I got, you know, feedback from all my other sponsors and, uh, uh, you know, and I decided, you know, it's probably not the best idea to make a direct amends. And, uh, and my sponsor said, well, you're going to be going to give a talk on step nine. Why don't you share that during your talk and, and, and see what they have to say to you? So, so I, in that talk, I did, I did share about, you know, how, should I make an amends to the, to these girls that I exposed myself when I was a child, you know, and, um, uh, you know, I was 12 or 13 and, uh, uh, and, you know, one by one people came up to me after my talk, you know, and gave me feedback and, you know, the the ones that probably had the most impact were the women. A couple of women came by and just said, do it, make, make the direct amends. And, uh, so, you know, I, I did it. I, 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 uh, you know, called, it was two two sisters, and I called, uh, I was able to get hold of one of them. I got hold of their mother first, and, uh, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping that I could talk to to, uh, to Kathy and Debbie about uh, uh, some harm I had done to them when we were kids. Is, is it okay? And she said, sure, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and I got a call back and, you know, I made direct amends to one of the, to one of the sisters, uh, Kathy. And, uh, you know, she came back with, uh, so much grace. Uh, it was, it was, it was, uh, astonishing. Uh, you know, it was a very healing experience, you know, and then I said, you know, I'd like to make amends to your sister too. And then I remembered their brother too. You know, I'd like to make amends to your brother too. (laughs) And, 
And uh, she said at that time, no, they uh, they had heard about it, and they're you know they're not interested. And I said that was fine. Uh, that was that's one. Uh, uh, another one was I made. Uh, there was uh, I had been working as a teacher, uh, teaching uh, internet, computer internet, basic skills basically on the internet. And uh, in a in a in a workplace environment, and I didn't have a lot of integrity in those days. I was in I was in SA, uh, but you know I was scared. Anyway, one of my adult students working in a factory setting here came up to me and said, "You know, show show me how to see some of this nudity on the internet." And uh, you know, and I. Uh, you know, I was afraid. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I, I, I didn't want to, you know, say no to him. And, uh, uh, and so I, uh, you know, and I, you know, I could have lost my job, obviously, but, you know, I, I showed him, okay, this is how you do it, you know, and I viewed it with him, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, a minute or whatever. And, uh, you know, later on, my sponsor, you know, I, I just, you know, suggested that I make amends, uh, to this guy. And, uh, you know, and I called him up and, uh, finally got a hold of him and he was going, you know, you know, Mitch, if you're going to lose your job over this, you, you know, the, 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 you know, he, he was, he was pretty, you know, uh, not receptive and, and, uh, and kind of angry and you know and I, and I just said at that point uh, you know I'm I just want to apologize for showing you how to do this on the internet that's it I'm not I'm not looking looking to get get at you or anything and and that was it you know but that that's an example of one that I didn't get positive feedback from but it was still a good experience thanks sure any questions from someone who hasn't asked yet? <laughs> uh, you want to read Robin's says, uh, I'm in a lot of pain now. Um, what does that mean best to do? I'm up to step, uh, step six. Now I'm back to step one. Relapsed this past week after a month and after six months and after two years. That's, that's the story. Um, I'm not sure why I'm in so much pain. Probably because I'm at a convention where <laughs> where everyone's in a lot of sharing. But, um, Wondering if it's like a lot of ninth step things that I, I'm afraid of. I'm thinking about it now. Um, so I want to ask you why I'm in a lot of pain. So I'll just get up. Keep it brief. You would answer great. Repeat the question as you want it to be. Okay. So the uh, the question was is uh, I'm I'm struggling in in sobriety. And I'm in a lot of pain, and uh, I'm thinking it could be about uh, people I've harmed and the need to make an amends. And uh, I can, you know, it sounds like you know the answer to the question. Why I'm in a lot of pain, it sounds like you know the answer. Uh, I can 100% identify. I mean, these are some of the reasons why I, you know, I eventually bottom out. Hopefully it doesn't take some of you as long as it took me to, you know, bottom out after coming to meetings for a long time 
and, and give the steps a rigorous working, uh, including steps eight and nine. Uh, uh, it, it is, you know, it, 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 Joe and Charlie said it, you know, it's, it, it's about the, the shame and the guilt. Steps eight and nine are tailored to deal with that. They're tailored to, to, to make that shame, guilt, and remorse go away. And, uh, uh, you know, and, you know, here I was in, in, in recovery all these years and I, uh, you know, but I, I, you know, I'm driving around, I'm still having memories come back at me. You know, I, you know, uh, you know, I'd be driving through areas where I had acted out and all these associations would come up, you know, and, uh, you know, it was painful every time. And, uh, uh, steps eight and nine make that stuff go away you know so work the steps you know yeah. uh, question what's your experience in doing your 10th step day in and day out I'm struggling with it uh, so Margo can you take that one Hi, I'm Margot Sexaholic, sobriety date, March 14th, 1986. Hi. Um, I've struggled with it, too, so I identify. I'm not sure of the exact situation of the person who asked the question, so I'll just say my experience was I tried to do a tenth step out of the big book before I had done a real fourth step, and I didn't know what to do. I'd look at those words, and they didn't mean anything. Um, I didn't take all the cookies. How could I be selfish? <laughs> um, but um, uh, so part of it was for me uh, learning a, f a format, a toolkit, and that was what the fourth and fifth steps were for me is learning how to do it. Um, according to, I mean, there are so many different methods, but mine was where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and afraid, and it starts with the resentment. Um, and then what did the resentment affect? And <clears throat> another thing that helped me was the, just to be in a culture of a program that where people did it, and that really helped. Something that helps me, too, is that I have a 10th step buddy, and I call her Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 6.30 in the morning, <laughs> and um we read each other, we say a gratitude list, that we, and then we say any of our 10th steps that we want to say. Um, it really helps, even if I haven't actually written it down, it gives me a chance to say something. And I do look at the questions in the big book, aside from the, um, the fourth step format. I don't look at them every single night, but um, the questions that it asks in step 11. And I also just usually um, consult my my solar plexus, if you want to say that. Um, and uh, one of my sponsors, I think she said, your resentments are written on the lining of your stomach. And usually, if I think back of my, <laughs> if I think back of my day, um, there's some way that I'm uncomfortable. And I used to look back and know I was uncomfortable, but I didn't know why. And so after doing the step work, now I know why. And I guess the last thing I want to say is that, oh, well, I keep, then logistically, I keep um, three subject, no, I mean, a three ring binder next to my bed um, with 
paper in it that's punched with three holes. I've learned to do that. This is, I don't know if you want to know this detail, but I used to do it in a big um, spiral-bound notebook, but then when I went to shred the stuff I had written, it was really hard to tear out the pages. So, so I have it in a three-ring binder, and I have a pencil right there, and it's really easy. And when I did my fourth step, I was taught to get on my knees and say the third step prayer each time I wrote. And um, so I do say either that or I just say, please help me with my inventory tonight. It helps me a lot to do a gratitude list first because that opens up my heart. It gets me connected with God. Um, and then, and then you know, I can review my day. And the other thing that really helps me is the reward of doing it. As I said when I spoke before, I always think I know what's going on in my head. Like I know, oh yeah, I'm resentful of that person, and I was dishonest, I was selfish, I did this, I was afraid. If I trusted and relied upon God, I would do X, Y, Z. But when I actually write it down, it comes out different. <laughs> and it may start with that skeleton, but there's always more that I find out. And there's always a deeper thing that I go, oh yeah, that's what I was up to. And just knowing what I was up to is um, very healing, actually. And one thing I love about these, this program is that knowing the truth is healing. Before I did my step work, I thought knowing the truth was going to cause me to hate myself. But now I know that knowing the truth about what's up with me, I mean, subconsciously I know it anyway, so I might as well know it consciously. And it just makes me, as other people have said, it unifies my personality that way. Um, I think that's about it. So the question is, um, how do you deal with the pain of not connecting with and manipulating the opposite sex, in this case, men? Ah. Mm. So... So this is a woman asking a question about how do you deal with the pain of not acting out, which in this case is not so much the sexual part, but the um, manipulation taking advantage of the person. 
And you don't want to do it, she said, because it does, it isn't good for you, but it's really, really hard. And all I can say is it's really, really hard. Um, it is painful. And when I've been thinking and acting a certain way for many, many decades, you know, thing about this disease is it's physical and chemical and emotional and spiritual. That is just about my whole self. And so by the time I get to, um, you know, adulthood, I am wired for acting out. And so it's going to hurt. And for me, the only thing I can do is, A, not do it, which is really hard. But every time I don't do it, it's less hard the next time. And then just stay in touch with people. Um, I have people I can call, and there, I also have a phone that I turn off the ringer at night, but people call me if they need to at night. And um, I think the fellowship is... And the other thing is, in that moment of, oh my gosh, I can't stand not to do this, make a phone call, say a prayer, do something, read, carry around some literature with you and read it. Um, it, all I can say is it's really hard, but it's just so worth it to live through that. And it does pass and it gets better. Here's an anonymous question. I want full access to essay since I'm deaf. I don't have it yet. What do you suggest? And Harvey, can you answer that one? <laughs> this was a hot potato. And I ended up catching it. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about it. You could probably write a new book. <laughs> this has a lot of soul to it. <laughs> because <clears throat> we get the false impression that the AA book and the SA book is the end all. We start treating the 12 step program like a religion rather than a spiritual way of life. So the book itself says we need to reach out to other sources. So this is how I see it. My 12 steps is like a coat hanger. I hang everything on the steps.
So my religion is part of my 11th step. If I go for therapy, that's part of my 4th and 10th step. So I'll give a better example of this historically. When the big book was written, they knew crap about meditation. (laughs) You can't even figure out what the hell they're talking about in the big book. First of all, the 10th step's about inventory. 11th step's about prayer meditation. It's all confused. By the time Bill wrote, let's see, 40, about 11 years later, the 12 and 12, meditation got a little clearer. But I'd go nuts if I had to meditate the way Bill said it. I mean, why is everyone laughing? (laughs) (laughs) To try for me to meditate 20 minutes, which I do, I'm hoping someday to do the 40 a day. The 20 is changing my life. So I could just imagine the 40, but I'm an addict. I always want more, more, more. And by the way, you're an addict too. You want more. You got a hell of a lot. I want more, more, more. But I want more. It's a wonderful thing. And so I've had to reach out. Now, God has this great sense of humor. See this little bugger? This could either destroy me or it could make my life so much easier. I have a 10-step app. It takes me three minutes. You just click it. Are you angry today? Do you have any resentment today? You click yes, no, yes, no. If yes... Then I have a meditation app. Then I have a gratitude list app. I do 30 things every day I write of gratitude. Sometimes I cheat if I'm in a rush and I count on my fingers. It's all there. I need it in one spot. But interestingly enough, about five years ago, I've done 20 gratitude lists for like 30 years. I said, hey, you're getting 
stale. You're getting old at this. You better raise the gratitude number. And so for years now, I've been doing 30. One day, I had this coma. <laughs> Something. I wrote 70 damn things I was grateful for. How could that be? Okay. That's the joy. Okay. So I've had to reach out. I had to read books on mindfulness. I had to read books, I mean, on meditation. I needed apps for meditation. I need guided meditation because telling me to use my imagination <laughs> you cannot imagine yes you can no you can't imagine <laughs> okay I want to end with this and my wife will verify it I could not say one thing humorously I'm not the man I used to be. I have dyslexia. I must have written at least 12 to 14 articles for the essay. My life has changed. I don't understand how the hell this stuff works. But it works. All I have to do is leave my genitalia alone for one day. <laughs> Go to meetings, work the steps for 24 hours, and my life changes. And don't ever ask me how it works. Yes, it's spiritual. It's a mystery. And it's a wonderful mystery. And it only gets better. That's what my sponsor taught me 33 years ago. It only gets better. And I'll end with this. He used to say, Harvey, do you, don't forget we're from the South. He'd say, Harvey, do you think God loved you when you were doing all those low-life things you used to do? And finally, I'd say, I guess so. And he'd say, well, if he loved you then, he must be hog-ass wild about you now. <laughs> I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.